Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is Claire O'Hanlon, a librarian by day and an archivist by night. We'll be chatting about their work at the Australian Queer Archives, referred to as ACWA throughout. We chat about their two jobs and how they inform one another, plus what the Australian Queer Archives are and their importance. Given that we're volunteer-run and led, I think that is a, a big strength. Like, everybody has so much passion that we bring to our work and so much intrinsic motivation, I guess. The passion is amazing to be surrounded by and so, so much dedication. For those that aren't aware, what are the Australian Queer Archives? We collect, preserve and celebrate material from the lives and experiences of LGBTIQ plus Australians. And we were founded in 1978 and hold a preeminent research collection for LGBTIQ plus histories in Australia. We're primarily volunteer-run and led, non-profit and community-based association. We're located in Melbourne, Australia, but are assisted by volunteers and members and supporters from around the country, as the name would suggest even if you around the world as well. There are similar organisations around the world. And what kind of things are kept in the archives? We have quite a, a diverse and maybe somewhat eclectic collection, <laughs> or unique. <laughs> so we've got works by writers, artists, photographers and performers, papers from significant LGBTIQ plus Australians, records of community organisations, yeah, I guess material culture and ephemera, like posters, flyers and badges, which are some of my favourite matchbooks, objects from bars and venues, things like that, and more. <laughs> and oral histories as well. How do you fill the archive? Do people donate? People do donate, yes. Sure. I can add a link. Yeah, so people can donate. We might proactively collect as well or they approach people about donations, proactively doing oral histories and things like that. Um, we might also collect at particular events, like so collect stories there and record events and things. Yeah, we also, yeah, we often collect ephemera at midsummer festivals. It's an exciting time for us. <laughs> yeah, things like that. What is your role at APA? My official title is uh, the secretary on the committee. And I've helped out with different things over the years, including a little bit of cataloging, although I'd like to like to do a bit more of that and get some more hands-on experience with the collection. And I've, yeah, I've also supported and run a few events and walking tours as well, queer history tours, supported communications a bit, including setting up our Twitter account. Um, <laughs> we were just approached uh, by someone on TikTok, so maybe... Uh, <laughs> Maybe maybe we'll we'll get a TikTok account soon. Amazing! <laughs> it's a bit yeah, it's it's a bit new for us. So we mostly do Facebook. We'll see. I guess other things that I do and have done. I did organise a, a contingent to Mardi Gras, which was quite a lot of work. It was quite hard organising introverts, <laughs> like a group of mostly introverts. Um, I don't think we'll be able to do that every year. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was, we wanted to do that for the 40th anniversary of Mardi Gras, which also coincided with our 40th anniversary. So that was exciting. It was definitely worth it. <laughs> How long have you been involved? I started, it was in 2016. It was kind of the first contact I had. And it was through my day job, my role of librarian by day, that I kind of got first got involved. And eventually, so at the end of the, by the end of the year, I was on the committee. <laughs> Claire has told us a lot about what the archives are and how they quickly moved from being introduced to the archives to being a committee member. I was curious whether the archives are something that can be viewed. Can people walk through them? So we are very excited that we've moved into the Victorian Pride Centre. We were open for, I think it was less than a week before lockdown, but it was very, very exciting. I think the collection will be more open than it ever has been before. And so, yeah, available for people to, to explore and browse in, in ways that they haven't really been able to ever before. And the collection is also, it feels like a safer environment as well. We've got an amazing compactus for... <laughs> That was a big, big feature in our space. It's a good archival standard. Yeah, it's been in a few different places and we've had amazing support from Thorn Harbour House. We've been previously located with them, which has been amazing. So outside of Aqua, you're a librarian. By day, a librarian, Aqua by night. How (laughs) does that inform what you do at Aqua? I guess you're super qualified. (laughs) Yes, so I quite like that Aqua doesn't fit neatly into any gallery, library, archive or museum box. It's kind of a little bit of everything and something else as well. And I think it's really helped me see that we can learn so much in libraries from people who work in museums and galleries. I think this is particularly around facilitating access to multiple perspectives and different interpretations of works and collections. And we can also learn so much from archivists about facilitating access to context, which is very important. I've learned the importance of context definitely through my work. I support academics and students in the university, a few disciplines across humanities and social sciences, like gender, sexuality and diversity studies. So it is perfect. (laughs) It's definitely informed my work there. History, archaeology, legal studies as well. So it's definitely helped me build connections with academics and students in those fields and work collaboratively with them and support them in their research and studies. I think it's helped me, I guess, understand the discipline of history a lot more. I kind of always felt pretty alienated from history at school and at, yeah I never was never really interested in studying it at university so I never never saw myself in history or anyone I knew really it wasn't very engaging until I came to work where I do and particularly at Aqua so yeah kind of I guess I understand a bit more about about that discipline and how to query it. When you say that you work at Aqua during the night times, I'm picturing like a night at the museum situation. (laughs) Like what does a a night in in the life of your work at Aqua look like? It's probably just at the computer, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Especially at these times. Yeah, so we have monthly committee meetings, lots of emails in between then. (laughs) So what we've been doing lately is trying to engage our our volunteers and supporters in these lockdown times which has been challenging but we've been yeah kind of rethinking the way we we support volunteers and so we've been hosting a few webinars for them to just kind of did an introduction to volunteering and one specifically about oral history. Obviously times have been a little different recently and the work that Claire does is mainly from home 
Here they think back to what it was like when they actually were allowed to go into the archives to work and some of the main things that volunteers do day to day. Some of our committee members are supervised volunteers by night and some by day. They are not working <laughs> working by day. We'll hope, hopefully be able to open up a bit more when we're in the Pride Centre and we do now have an office coordinator, which is great. It's exciting, a paid position. So it would be helping volunteers catalogue and describe items, collection items, transcribe oral histories and, think, and radio interviews or, or at least describe, describe them. Transcription is a really important job in helping make those collections more easily discoverable. Other than archiving, I know that Aqua have a number of other projects that you facilitate. I know that you mentioned queer history walks and there's also a queer youth education project. Could you tell me a little bit more about those? Oh, yes. So the queer history walks, and we're planning a few for midsummer, COVID <laughs> permitting, I guess. Totally, yeah. Um, although it's, it's one of the more COVID safe activities as long as it's <laughs> outside. Yeah, the numbers may be a little smaller. Over the years, we've organised some around St Kilda, quite a few around dis- different parts of the CBD, the South Yarra, Fitzroy, Melbourne Uni as well. It's quite a few sites. Cool. And so the information that we use to inform from those walks, that's often come from oral histories, from, yeah, from our collections. Uh, and they also we also usually gather even more knowledge about our histories from those history walks themselves. Uh, so it's a really good opportunity for gathering more information about our histories. Other things we've been working on are kind of related to the history walks a little bit that will definitely inform future history walks is we did a big project for Heritage Victoria, the history of LGBTIQ places and objects. Our shorthand name for it is Heritage 100. It's got a long title, (laughs) which I I can link to it. So it's a massive project, really. We did a lot of community engagement to gather stories about 100 places and objects that were significant to LGBTIQ Victoria. So we tried, we tried to get some good representation from across Victoria, not just the city. The other things we do, we publish books and other materials. We supported conferences and talks and seminars. Awesome. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on other than. Oh, yes. Actually, we also have an honors thesis prize which is exciting, um, and we'll be announcing details of that very soon about how you can submit, might be able to submit their honours thesis for consideration. Cool. And that's been growing over the years. The archives were established in 1978. That's a long time ago. So how have the archives changed over time? You know, maybe practical elements or processing? The first thing that comes to mind is our name, which was, we have, so we were founded in in the 70s as the Australian Gay Archives. We changed in the early 90s to the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives and were known by that name and also ALGA until 2020 when we changed. And it was, we had a really long and like gentle and slow process to consult with our community. I think it was really important to take that really slowly and to really listen. So it, it took, I think it was about two years or maybe a bit longer we had some really, really good conversations as part of that process and learnt a lot. And I think the collection has always been more diverse than just gay archives. So that's that's one thing that hasn't changed as much. <laughs> as much as it might think now the, the name kind of reflects, uh, better reflects the diversity of our collections and our communities. And we do hope that that is the starting point for even more diversity on committee and, and in our collections as well. 
the other thing that's changed is our location. And it has been in basements. <laughs> so yeah, to now the Victorian Pride Centre, it's like really exciting to be in the Pride Centre. Also, it was great to have support from Thorn Harbour Health for so many years. And now you have a new, a new, <laughs> a new toy, right? The Compactus or something? Yes, I'm so excited. About <laughs> Lots of exciting new shelves as well, for which appeals to my librarian side. Just displaying books. And also, uh, I imagine you mentioned as well that some of the collection is digital, so you can get some of the collection online. Oh, yes, that's definitely changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've experimented with a few different platforms over the years and have a big project that we're keen to get back back into to get more of our catalogue online and ma- make it more accessible. I think we'll be keen to get back into that pretty soon. But, yeah, there, in the meantime, there are different there are a few different places you can go, yeah, to find find us online. I guess the other thing that's changed a bit over the years, we I feel like we kind of started as a library in some ways, and a lot of library workers were behind the founding of the archives. That's exciting for my. <laughs> but over the years, we have evolved into being a bit more like an archive, and still still maintaining the the library. So a bit more like an archive as we collect papers from different people and, and organisations. And then also, probably most recently, becoming a bit more like a gallery and museum. And I think a bit of potential there with the Pride Centre, but also yeah, collaborating a lot more with, with galleries and museums to host exhibitions and, and, and co-host exhibitions. That evolution there yeah, kind of been shaped by different people on committee over the years, getting involved with different experiences. Why do you think that the Australian Queer Archives are important? Oh, I think it is really important that we have a collection of our histories in our own words and it kind of fills the gap in mainstream libraries and archives. Yeah, fills the gaps and silences in those mainstream institutions. They're starting to get a lot better and collect more, but it's fairly recent. <laughs> I think it is really important that it's a community-led archive um, that, we, that we're telling our stories and collecting our stories in our own words and just des- yeah, describing them in our own words. Now, we know why aqua is important to the world and people in Australia. Why is it important to you personally, Claire? Like when you started in 2016, why were you driven to to get involved? Why is it important to you? I think it has been really, really important for me personally. And I guess because the sector, which which we call the galleries, libraries, archives and museums sector, those mainstream institutions, working in them means that we work with a lot of systems like for classification that are pretty outdated and they can be quite offensive, although they're improving. So yeah, there's lots of heterosexism, sexism, racism, colonialism, lots of terrible legacies, and it's been quite challenging. And I guess there's also a, a myth among a lot of people in the sector, though that's also starting to change. It's a myth that we're neutral. And that those of us who work in, in these institutions are meant to be neutral, but that neutrality or that, that myth, it really all it does is perpetuate inequality and discrimination. So I think having Aqua as a little outlet <laughs> and a place that I can go, which is, yeah, we describe collections in our own words, I guess I can kind of recharge and find a bit of comfort and safety in community in our histories. What is the best part about what you do? It's hard to pick. <laughs> yeah, I think I just really love being part of our community, or Aqua's community, which has yeah lots of different LGBTQ plus researchers, students, creative and community workers, 
media professionals, gallery, library, archives and museum workers, and much more. Yeah, it's been a great, yeah, great, great to connect with everyone over the years and learn more about what they do. Yeah, it helped me learn about doing inclusive collection development and cataloging through community engagement, which I'm very passionate about bringing back into the sector. I really do like working with libraries, museums and galleries to support support them and their work and kind of, I guess, encouraging a bit more critical and creative reflection in the sector and challenging those ideas of neutrality as well. I run a, a few workshops as well. One was face-to-face in the before times. <laughs> so that was at the Paran Mechanics Institute Library and it was a quick, like, a gateway to finding LGBTIQ history research and collections at Aqua and beyond. And the, the next part was zine making. So that was exciting and using some inspiration from our collections and beyond. I really love doing that sort of thing. And that is a little bit bringing, bringing what I do by day into my work by night. <laughs> and also, I guess it allows you these yeah. opportunities to do all of this cool stuff. Yes, right. I don't get to do quite as much as I would like by, by day. But, uh, you, you're volunteering there, right? And you're putting your yeah. nights into this. So clearly what you're doing there is is something that you're passionate about, mm. driven by, and you enjoy. Yeah, yes, definitely. Throughout our chat, we've been talking about how you work at Aqua during the night and librarian during the day, and it gives me superhero vibes. And I feel <laughs> like what you've just talked about and – developing those strengths and also making people more aware of this sort of stuff is is in a sense like doing your doing your superpower <laughs> spreading that knowledge <laughs> it's the nerdy superhero <laughs> yeah i love it yes most um, superheroes yeah. are nerds they just, that's true they just but i'm a nerdy by night as well so. <laughs> <laughs> love it while claire might not be jumping to find a superhero name I do think that their work and their passion is incredibly evident. And while we know what the best parts of Aqua are, it wouldn't be an episode of How Do You Do That without asking, is there a bad part about what you do? Maybe I'll, I'll change it to challenging part, which I think partly it is because we are volunteer-led and predominantly volunteer-run. So we all have very busy lives outside of our, <laughs> or yeah, by day, I guess. Uh, and yeah, I can't. I can't really commit as much as I would like always. Yeah, a lot of us feel the same. We'd like to do a lot more. And maybe there's also not everybody understands that we're volunteer-led and run. So maybe sometimes expectations are pretty, like, high. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we, I think we've got to be clear, be a bit clearer and we're keen to do that on boundaries and setting expectations as well. So making it more clear about what we can do and maybe sometimes saying no to more things, but we, yeah. we don't want to. <laughs> um, we want to do everything. Has there been a moment since working with Aqua that has really validated what you do there? One where all of my hats collided. <laughs> uh, I was working with some academics that I work with by day, contacted me about supporting a, a reading-making room that they had been, been planning, which was part of an exhibition called Queerdom. And that was at Arts House in Melbourne, in North North Melbourne. So yeah, they asked me to kind of to, yeah to help them support that space with both my uh, aqua and library hat on. It was a part of it, like kind of a big making the margins project, and that was an interdisciplinary space 
It was designed to facilitate community exploration of themes around body, time, and place through creative collaborative practice and thinking, reading, discussing, and making theories, theories and histories of practices accessible. And we had like just a huge range of different art books, critical theory, creative nonfiction, poetry, volumes that didn't fit neatly into any category and were from a huge range of different collections, including Aqua and Where I Work by Day and Melbourne Library Service as well. It was, I think, one of the spaces where I felt most comfortable and safe since I became a librarian, which was only in around, well, I guess I finished studying in 2015 and then started all this in 2016. Pretty much straight away, hand in hand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think that was, yeah, where I felt most comfortable and safe. And it was good creative creative space and keen to do more of that sort of thing. The validating moment is when Mm. when you can use both of those things together. Your powers combined. (laughs) yes oh nice (laughs) nice one (laughs) yes i just want to pause for a second here to say i really appreciated claire humoring me with that sort of joke (laughs) okay back to the chat now what would you tell someone who was like you thinking about volunteering at aqua i would definitely get in touch with us Um, i think it would be if you're interested in potentially working in in galleries libraries archives or museums it would be a great starting point or great gateway to exploring that with um, you'll, you'll meet lots of other people from the sector that way but you definitely don't have to be interested in that field and uh, yeah you can bring bring other other interests yeah de- definitely get in touch maybe be patient if we could don't <laughs> we can't engage you immediately but we are keen email is usually the best way to get in touch and we are yeah we're, we're keen to to look at more more ways that you might be able to volunteer remotely Here Claire talks about some of the Australian Queer Archive's future plans. One thing I'm really interested in doing, perhaps this is bringing my my work by day into it again, (laughs) I'd like to do more, maybe some potential internship, like, yeah, support internships and student projects. We've had study visits for a particular library studies course, which is good when that's possible. (laughs) But I'd like to potentially do some, like, student projects. Um, I think that could be a a nice way to structure volunteering and a a good gateway to volunteering, perhaps, to to more volunteering in a way that helps all of us. (laughs) So help, yeah, everyone, help those students develop their skills and kind of consolidate what they're learning in in their course, and it'll help us as well. Awesome. Yeah, make the collection more accessible. It's really exciting. Do you mm. think that you'll be volunteering or at least, you know, in, in some capacity with Aqua forever? Yeah, Ooh, it's hard. I can't imagine maybe. I think, uh, yeah, definitely in some capacity. Yeah, probably not in the same form forever, but I hope to stay, in, to stay involved, definitely. I would like to extend a huge thank you to Claire O'Hanlon for being on the show. It's been so very wonderful to hear more about the Australian Queer Archives. And our chat has spoken to how if you really care about something and are passionate about it, there is an inherent motivation and drive. For further information about and how to see some of the archives, you can head to queerarchives.org.au. A big congratulations to the archives as well for taking home a Community History Award for Collaborative Community History. As always, I'd also like to thank you for listening. It really means a lot. I also have some great news. How Do You Do That has been nominated for a Community Broadcasting Association Award for Best New Radio Program. 
I am thrilled. So a huge, huge thank you for listening. And if you think someone you know would enjoy the show, please pass it on. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.